Well, today, um, I, I want to share with you a message called The Disciples' Call. If you have your Bible, I want you to go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Uh, this is uh, one of the greatest seasons of awakening and revival on the planet that has ever existed. This is a great time of God moving. How many of you were here last week and experienced that move of God last week? Many, of, many people in this service, what happened is, is there was such a move of God, it spilled over into third service. And we started third service as second service. People were still being ministered to. Power of God touching and changing people's lives. And I, I want to tell you that um, this word works. This word works. I watched it work. I've been watching it work. Can I just, I mean, since Pastor Corey got to testify in the offering, I guess I get to testify since I have the mic now. Many of you know, uh, you know that, that, that uh, since, since uh, late last year, as a congregation, we had uh, agreed to to purchase 20 acres of commercial uh, property right down the road, negotiated a really good price, which is just over $600,000. And uh, we had some money saved up, so we were going to put some money down and take out a, a little small, uh, a small loan, probably about 50% of it, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, and, um, uh, and, you know, and then we had the, the date was set to close tomorrow. It was set to close 221. Now, that's a problem for me. If you've been around Calvary for a little bit, uh, I have a life verse. It is Isaiah 22, 22. Everywhere I go, 222 shows up. So I'm like, God, why is this closing on 221? Well, I didn't know that, you know, uh, that it was President's Day 221. Right there in the contract, it says, if the closing date falls on a national holiday, it will then be moved to the following day, 222. So on 222, listen, we will be closing on our future property of, uh, of our new worship center and, uh, and what one day will be uh, our, our school. Now, now, here's the good part, and you can celebrate with me, uh, uh, you know, accordingly. Here's what I want to let you know. We will be closing debt-free. I'm going to try to keep talking. <laughs> I'm telling you, God is amazing. He is amazing. And I want to thank everybody for just being faithful to the voice of God because we haven't done a capital campaign. We haven't, we, we haven't had to do a single public. Now, that will come. So hang on, we'll get there, uh, because, you know, what comes next, uh, phase 1.5 will be, you know, when we, we really begin to reach out and say, okay, God, help us uh, to get our new worship facility underway, and, and that, comes, that comes with a, a, a greater step of faith. But I want to tell you, it is amazing to watch God's Word work. God's Word, when God says, I want you to step out. 
And by the time you reach closing, can you imagine? Um, he's just, I mean, we're just going to wire the money. I just need to talk to some people who get that. That's a lot of money. But somebody said, isn't it amazing? God owns, the, owns it all, doesn't he? I said, yeah, but it's really comforting when it shows up in our account. And we get to give it to where it needs to go. Can, can you just continue to believe, God, that we are going to be a thriving local church that makes a global impact for the kingdom of God? That we're going to see God move in this region and move in this people? That we will see revival? That's what we're going to see. And I know that we're, we're in, this, uh, in this moment. This is our mandate. We're not called to just be an ordinary church. We're called to be a church that hosts the presence of God, that, that causes the people to thrive in their relationship with God. That, that says, okay, God, we're not just concerned with, with our region. We believe that, God, you're going to make us a thriving local church because you've called us to have a global impact. I'm telling you, church, God is going to impact the nations from in Inverness, Florida. Get ready. Get ready for what God is going to do out of this house. But it will be because the people who call Calvary home answer the call. And this is the call. It's the disciples' call. If you've been reading along with us in our, our yearly Bible plan, uh, and, and I, I, my prayer is that you are going through the Bible uh, entirely, you would have just begun in the Gospel of Mark with us. And I want to take you to Mark chapter 1, uh, to, to a few verses that's going to help us to understand Man, if I was on TBN, Corey and I would be putting together our CD set, you know. He said, he said uh, you know, uh, answer, God is calling. And this week is the disciples' call. We package it together, and for only your, for your donation of $35, you can have the two CD set. And we will throw in uh, a free download of Pastor Luke's song, you know. Uh, you know. I'm just saying, we're not on TBN. God bless you. Mark chapter 1, Jesus, by the Sea of Galilee, it says, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Listen. There is a name for the people who partner with God to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. It's called disciples. Let me just tell you again that it is not people who are merely come on a Sunday to consume a good message and think, well, you know, I've got a few things to do after church and I'm just going to be a good person and just, just try to go with the flow. Listen, those people never make a difference. And I'm telling you, God is raising up a church in a dark hour to make a difference. Listen, the nations around us are shaking. Canada is shaking right now. And the answer is a church. that It's on our doorstep, folks. We cannot be a church that simply just says, oh, no, that will never come to our shores. I'm telling you, it's coming. 
And the answer isn't a church that backs up. It's an answer. It's a church that answers the disciples' call. God is releasing a sound. And the people that will bring meaningful change to this planet will be disciples. By the way, I mean, if you don't, if you don't know this already, many people call themselves Christians. Did you know that the, the title Christian or the name Christian wasn't meant uh, to describe us in, in, a, in a way to bless us? The word Christian scripturally was meant to be an insult. Christian was the title given by outsiders to those who were a part of the way. The way was the name of those who followed Christ. Why did they call them the way? Because the way that Jesus talked, they talked. The way that Jesus walked, they walked. The way he ministered in power, they ministered in power. They were called the way. And when they wanted to insult us, they called us Christians. Look at those little Christs. That's what that means. So many people today go by the name of the insult name. Instead of the way that best, the, the, the title that best describes us, which is disciple of Christ. Those who walk in the way. Now, we're going to dive into this disciple word today. And it's really important that you know this. I have heard this throughout my church experience, that there will be people who make two classifications of Christians. Those who are saved, and then those who make Jesus Lord. I've heard it over and over again. Oh yeah, they're saved and they're on their way to heaven, but they just haven't made Jesus Lord. I'm just going to tell you, biblically, those classifications do not exist. Those who made Jesus Lord, they were truly disciples, and the disciples truly made Jesus Lord. They were one and the same. There was no halfway. If you made a decision to follow Christ in the time of Christ, it was almost like signing on the dotted line, I will die for my faith in God. It wasn't just something to do culturally. It wasn't something to do so you would just kind of fit in with a certain crowd. I want to tell you today, God is calling the church once more to the way. The way of walking as a disciple. And I want to tell you about a disciple today. And we have to learn what it means to be a disciple. The disciples first, this is what you'll find in Mark 1. The disciples first, they answer Christ's call. They answer Christ's call. I love this. And what is Christ's call? Follow me. Follow me. He's not saying, listen, follow some influencer. I'm not following influencers or those who are somehow manipulating culture for their, for their own capitalistic gain. No, no, no. I am following Christ. That's what he says. He says, follow me. You see, the son of the living God, creator of all things, is inviting us into a dynamic, vibrant, supernatural relationship. And it all begins by hearing his call. Can you imagine if Simon and Andrew had taken the day off? 
I just need some me time. Come on, brother. Let's go. Come on, let's just, let's, let's just go somewhere. Where do you want to go? I don't know. Let's take out the ATV and drive in the desert today. Okay, there were no ATVs back then. Come on, get your donkey and hit it hard. It'll go fast. But they didn't take a day off. They were positioned rightly to hear the voice of Jesus that day. And you've heard this in weeks past here, that there is nothing like being positioned rightly to hear the voice of God. And that day they were positioned rightly on that seashore in Galilee. And it said, and they heard his call. And listen, today you're in this place and the voice of God is releasing a sound to you. And that sound is follow me. Follow me. You are in the right place. You are within earshot of what God is saying to a people right now. It is follow me. But the danger is, the danger is, it's the same danger that has been in existence existence forever is that in this moment when you're in the right place is that you could harden your heart and resist the call in Hebrews chapter 3 it says it happened before it says the Holy Spirit says today if you will hear his voice do not harden your heart as in the day of rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. What in the world is the day of trial in the wilderness? What is this day? It is when God spoke to his people. I'm bringing you into a promised land. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to send 12 spies into the land. Spend 40 days seeing what I'm going to bring you into. The day of trial came when they were coming back with the report and 10 spies came back and they sinned. How did the 10 spies sin? They came back and reported the truth. The facts. They came back and reported the facts. Oh, yes, yes, it's like God said. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. But, the, but I remember Tuesday, I went to this place. There were giants there. And then Wednesday, I went to another. There were giants there. And then there were giants there. And there were giants there. And everywhere we went for 40 days, there were giants. Oh, sure, the clusters of grape were magnificent. Oh, sure, there was lots of blessing there. Oh, yes, it was a good land. But it was giants and giants and giants and giants and giants and they sinned because they simply reported the facts in the face of a promise but there were two Joshua and Caleb and I love what Joshua and Caleb said in numbers in numbers this is what they said if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. I'm going to pause right here and tell you. Here we find out that rebellion is not entering into a promise God gives to his people. I'm going to say it again over here. 
in this passage, rebellion is not entering into a promise God gives his people. I'm going to preach a whole message on that because I can tell right now your, your wheels. One day, we'll, we'll talk just about that. But notice what this says. Don't rebel, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. No, no, no. Ten guys came back and said, my giants, these giants are, will eat us alive. Two guys said, oh, I've got the promise of God, and we will consume them. They are our bread. Oh, man, if I had time, and this is just not this message, I'm just telling you right now, there are some giants in your life right now that if you would just believe God's promises, the victory that you experience in this season would nourish you like bread. You would eat your giants, and you would live in the victory. You would say, no, 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 you can't sin, and say, oh, I've got this giant in my past. I've got this sin. I've got the giant of addiction, the giant of sexual sin, the giant of adultery. I've got all these giants, giants, giants. I just have to live in Egypt all my life. No, no, no. Stop just reporting the facts and start standing on the truth of God's promise. Jesus is saying, follow me. Follow me. God desires everyone to enter the promised land of his salvation and your giants of sin and oppression will fall. No one has gone too far to be saved. Here's how I know, because Romans 10, 13 makes it so simple. He says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Don't you like it when God just opens the door and says, just call on me. Call on me and your giants will fall. The sin will fall. The chains will break. I will move in your life when you place faith in what Christ did for us on the cross, burial and resurrection. He said, your giants will fall. And let me just tell you, folks, in case you're wondering here, if you, you think, well, you know, I think if I'm a, I'm a good person, I'll, I'll go to heaven. No, you won't. I'm going to tell you how the scripture tells, tells us. You must be born again. You must be born of God's spirit. You don't go to heaven because you're good. You go to heaven because he's good. It's because of his grace. New life is only found in Christ. No, notice he doesn't say, just follow anyone. He doesn't even say, follow yourself. He says, follow me. Follow me. I love what Jesus says in John chapter 10. He said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, they follow me. How do you know you're a sheep? You are following Jesus. And notice what happens when you follow Jesus. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. I'm telling you, listen, Jesus says, follow me. There is one way and it's Jesus. He's the only savior. He's the only one that could ever shed his blood. He's the perfect spotless lamb of God sent to seek and save that which is lost, which was all of humanity. Answering Christ's call to follow him leads to eternal life. No one else can deliver you from sin and give you eternal life. 
But let me tell you what else disciples do. Disciples embrace transformation. He says, follow me. What's the next? And I will make you become fishers of men. I will make you become fishers of men. Now, this is so contrary to our culture. Because right now, if you tell somebody they need to change, they immediately take to Twitter. You will suddenly find yourself on TikTok. Hashtag hater. You come to somebody and say, oh, you know, you have to change. You have to change. Oh, look at this hater. Let me just tell you, if you are afraid of being canceled, you are not going to live the life that Christ has called you to. Why in the world would I be afraid of being canceled? If you're still afraid of being canceled, it could be that you're not crucified. That's Galatians 5, by the way. Those who are Christ have crucified their flesh with its desires and passions. When Jesus says, I will make you, it suggests that they were not what they would be. I would like to tell you, why don't I just give you this opportunity to encourage your neighbor? Look at them in a loving Christian way and say, God is still working on you. <laughs> oh, I meant, oh, all right, can I testify? Can I testify? Come on, I saw, I saw. As a whole lot of husbands did not look to the left or the right. They're like, oh, no, pastor's going to get me in trouble. No, I'm keeping my eyes. I'm going to keep my eyes. Oh, amen, pastor, amen. I'm not saying that. That's good, that's good. This isn't even a sermon series on marriage. <laughs> Listen, the, foundation thought, the foundational thought of all of, 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 of Christology and all great, perfect theology is this. We all must change. There is not any condition that mankind finds itself in that is beyond the transforming hand of God. Some people will say, well, I was born this way. Good news, in this kingdom, you get to be born again. Listen, don't write that down and think, oh, I got them now. That's not a gotcha. That's a truth. Now, I don't know if you've read the Bible, but it's quite encouraging. When you read about the 12 guys that followed Christ and how much transforming they needed, you remember these, remember these guys? They spoke carelessly. They just said stuff. It just flew out of their mouth. I remember, you know, you remember the time that, that James and John got with their mom and said, Mom, if you tell them, it might happen. I don't know if that's in there. It's not in the Bible. Maybe she was just aggressive. She was following Jesus. She said, my boys, they need the honor roll. 
of heaven. She comes to Jesus and says, hey, you know, James and John, right? When you enter into your kingdom, why don't you have one sit on the right and one sit on the left? Can you imagine how bold? It's like she was a mom at youth sports. If you say to yourself, I, I don't know anyone like that, then it's you. <laughs> um, and here she is, and he says, he says right back to them, he says, can you drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And they said, yes, we can. You know what cup that was? The cup of suffering. And he says, you will drink it. You will drink it. But sitting on my right hand, my left, listen, you, you don't know what you're talking about. That's not for me. You think this is a top-down kingdom. It's not. It's a bottom-up kingdom. Because the greatest in this kingdom is the servant of all. They spoke carelessly. They lacked faith. Man, did Jesus, did, if, if Jesus had a voice recorder, how many times would he have pressed play on this statement? Oh, you of little faith. 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 Over and over and over again. They lacked faith. They had spiritual pride. Jesus sends them out on their first mission trip. They're like, we got this. Mm. They go and preach in this one place. And they reject them. And they say to Jesus, Jesus, this is our big moment. Want us to call fire down on them? He said, you prideful little thing. Only he said it this way. You have no idea what manner of men I have called you to be. You're not yet the men that I've called you to be. You will be someday, but because of this spiritual pride right now, you can't see it. I love it. They slept at prayer meetings. Big ones. I mean big. I mean it's important. Can we not sleep at the prayer meeting right before Jesus goes to the cross? Jesus is over in the corner sweating blood. The preacher is on the stage, sweating in places people can't see. In transformation. They doubted, but ultimately they returned. Now, this is the part you need to hear. After Jesus comes out of the grave, he says, Thus it was written, thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and the remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. I am sending you the key to your transformation, is what Jesus said. It is the Holy Spirit. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit with all of the fruit and all of the gifts. If you've been saying, you know, I, I don't know about the Holy Spirit. Ask your wife or husband if you need more of God in your life. 
Ask the people in your, rela- in your relationship, do I, do I need any more of a transformation from the presence of God? You see, right before Jesus even leaves in Acts 1-8, 40 days after the, the, the resurrection, after the cross, he there stands on the hill and he says, he says, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, beginning in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the in, uh, uttermost parts of the earth. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, your first assignment isn't to go, it's to welcome the person of the Holy Spirit which will bring about the personal change necessary to carry the kingdom I am calling you to, to share everywhere. Most of you uh, recognize this, that when you get to Galatians 5, and I mention this from time to time, but I, I, want, I want you to kind of get this into your, to your spirit. Galatians 5 is where we find the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there are no law. But the way that we read it, we don't read it properly. We say the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then what, what happens? In our minds, immediately we think back to like the last 15 minutes about how we have been so unloving in the last 15 minutes that we, we just cannot... I'm like, oh man, I really need to work on this love thing. I really got to work on this love thing. You know, like, man, okay, okay, love, 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 okay. I need to work on this love. I got to work on this. Man, this is so much work to work on love. And then you get to the next one, joy. Well, you got no joy because all you can think about how many times you failed to love. (laughs) So now I failed in love. I have no joy, and I'm certainly not entering into peace. You know why? Because you thought it said the fruit of you. The fruit of your transformation has to do with you dying and him living through you in the person of the Holy Spirit. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's why we ask and keep on asking. And how much more will God give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? Notice what they said in Acts chapter 4. After all of these disciples get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And now they've, they've literally seen a lame man, lame man transformed in Acts 3 and now he can walk. What did they say? It said, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. They said, your natural qualifications do not equate the person that I am seeing in front of me. You are untrained, you are uneducated, but suddenly I see Jesus in you. Suddenly there is something about you that causes me to marvel. I wonder, is there a church that still causes unbelievers to marvel is there something of the ministry of jesus flowing out of your life that causes the lost to marvel at the love that marvels at the joy that marvels at the peace that comes from the baptism of the holy spirit and his presence marking our life these men were transformed from fishermen to fishers of men Now, I want to give you some pastoral instruction. I want you to write this down. You're going to learn how to do this. Stop saying, I can't change. Stop it. 
you are in agreement with Satan when you say, I can't change. You have, you're not in agreement with the work of the cross when you say, I can't change. You're in agreement with your flesh and with Satan. Well, I know some of you are, are, are much more skilled and artistic in the way that you would articulate these things. So you would probably say, well, I just, I, I don't see, that doesn't seem to be happening for me. Listen to me. The word of God works. If it, Jesus said this, he goes, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, it will work. See, I've got a, I've got a word to stand on. If I've embraced transformation and I have, a wor- I have a promise I can stand on, what is it? Philippians 1, it says this, being confident. Well, we don't, don't we just need some good old confidence? Being confident of this very thing, that he who has began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Stop saying I can't change. All I have to do is expose myself to the one I'm supposed to be following and say, oh, Jesus, come and change me. And Jesus says, I'll be glad to. I'll be working on you every day until I see you face to face. That's the call of the disciple. But this last one's really important. You do the first two without this last one, you're going to miss probably the greatest momentum builder in your life. Disciples leave their nets. Disciples leave their nets. It says, and they immediately dropped their nets and followed him. If you're taking notes, you should write this down. In our day, unbelief masquerades as wisdom. Today, unbelief masquerades as wisdom. Because Jesus walking around this lake finds these two guys in business, a fishing business, probably pretty good at it. Wisdom personified is Jesus. Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. But then worldly wisdom shows up and says, now listen, those nets are worth something. So is that boat. So is this business. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to list the boats and the nets on eBay. And I need you, come on wisdom, Now you're going to need to visit all the good synagogues around the Sea of Galilee and start raising funds. And then after 12 months, you can obey, follow me. I'm here to tell you, most of the people who have done significant things in the kingdom of God, they did this. They said, I am leaving the nets. I have to drop the familiar and step into the unknown following the voice of God. Now, I'm not talking, you know, there's some some people in here, you just love to be disorganized. So you're always dropping your net, somebody else, you're hoping somebody else will pick it up for you. I'm not talking to you. 
Some of you need to pick up some intentionality in your relationship with God. Like read your Bible every day. Pray every day. Do some good things every day. Take your wife on a date. She said that loud, but her husband ain't here. <laughs> that, that, you know what? Listen, God honors when you're intentional. He does. But here's what I fear. I fear that most of us are paralyzed in following Jesus because we think, well, that wouldn't be the wise thing to do. I'm here to tell you there is one wisdom. It's called obedience to God. Obedience to God. And here's what I believe that God is saying to us. We have got to let go of the familiar and comfortable to live a life that's on mission with him. One of the greatest awakenings in the world right now is happening in the country of Iran. In the, in the movie Sheep Among Wolves, we find out that many of the mosques in Iran are empty today. You know why? Because the church is alive. The church is growing. You say, I haven't heard anything about it because no one in the world wants Christianity to rise. You're not going to hear about it in your mainstream media. You're not going to. But oh, would you go and hear those who are testifying in secret. They say, oh, there is a growing bride. There's a growing church that's happening in Iran. Notice what one of the leaders said about the people and the followers of Christ in Iran. He says, disciples forsake the world and cling to Jesus till he come. Converts don't, the leader said. Disciples aren't engaged in a culture war. Converts are. Disciples cherish obey and share the word of God converts don't disciples choose Jesus over anything and everything else converts don't converts run when the fires come disciples don't fastest growing church in the world I ran I know what you're thinking you say pastor it sounds like you want to change my whole life not me him him. Jesus wants to change your life. Listen, you are anointed to be the last hour church, and a last hour church is not meant to be lukewarm. You're meant to be light. You're meant to be a city on a hill. You're meant to be a people that stands out in the darkness. And when a fire begins to blaze, you don't run away from it. You run to it. You say the answer is Jesus. The answer to our issues in this nation is revival. And it's a move of God. Listen, we're not running away from problems. We're running to them. Why? Because we are the answer in Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, he says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And if we're going to participate 
in this global awakening, we have to let go of our natural tendencies to embrace supernatural empowerment. We have to let go of our history to embrace a new future. We have got to let go of being led by circumstance to embrace a life of following the Spirit of God. Listen, we haven't yet seen the day of 1,000 decisions made for Christ, but we will. I'm letting go of the nets. We're letting go of the nets. We're letting go of last year's successes, last year's increase, last year's. Those things are wonderful, but we got to let go if we're going to step into what God has called us to do. Listen, listen, we haven't yet seen what it looks like when revival not only hits one house, but it hits six or seven houses in the county of the state. We haven't seen it yet, but we will. Why? We're letting go of our nets. I hear the voice of Jesus calling us into the unknown, saying, Where are the pioneers? Where are those of the way? Where are the people of the Spirit who say, Oh, I'll follow you, Jesus. Make me whatever you would have me to be. I'm laying it all down for the sake of the kingdom. We haven't seen it yet, but we will. It's time as a people, we leave our nets. Come on, we step into the unknown and follow Jesus.